you're interested in running for school board, magistrate, or even state representative, you need Get Elected. From campaign websites and printed materials to platform development and strategy, Get Elected helps down-ballot Republican candidates reach more voters and win more elections on a tight budget. Visit GetElected.org to learn more. Good afternoon, folks, and welcome to The Elephant in the Room here on 1320 WJASAM. I'm Sam DeMarco, your host for today, joined by my trusty sidekick, John Schneider, the Executive Director of the Republican Committee of Allegheny County, and our phenomenal producer, we're going to call him Dazzling Daryl. Welcome. Now, we're really excited today because we have a special guest we're going to introduce to you today and let you hear from one of the foremost Republicans here in the state, Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. His name is Loman Henry. Loman is the chairman and chief executive officer of the Lincoln Institute of Public Opinion Research, which is a nonprofit public affairs foundation based in Lower Paxton Township. He serves as host of the American Radio Journal, which is heard on radio stations nationwide, and is host of the Lincoln Radio Journal, a weekly public affairs radio program syndicated across Pennsylvania on different radio stations. He's also the president of the Pennsylvania Leadership Council, which produces the annual Pennsylvania Leadership Conference. Loman, welcome to the elephant in the room. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Sam. Thank you for inviting me. Well, we're excited to have you here. And because really where we are is we're basically 100 days away from a pivotal election here in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. We have a unique situation in which we have two seats open, the governor's seat and our U.S. senator's seat. And this is the first time this has happened in, I don't know, I'm sure you do, but quite a while. And one of the things that's being talked about out there is our candidates or nominees of the Republican Party are being called extreme. And I think you have a, an interesting take on that. I'd like you to share it with our listeners. Well, first of all, I also was wondering when the last time was we had both governor and U.S. Senate seats up at the same time with open seats and no incumbent. And the answer is 1958 was the last time this has happened. So, Sam, we are in a very historic election year here. And it's really interesting. Every year, the, the Democrats, by the way, are, are really good about naming things something that they are not. <laughs> For example, uh, the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare made health care less affordable and took away our health care options. They have this thing up that, that they just unveiled yesterday called the Inflation Reduction Act, which includes more taxes and more spending, all the things that have led to current record high inflation. <laughs> So the same thing with our candidates here in Pennsylvania, uh, Sam and John. They're, they're taking a look at our candidates, and they're, they're calling them uh, extremists. And if you look at what our candidates are saying, their positions are really center-right traditional positions for Republicans and conservatives. They are not extreme. They are in the mainstream. What's really extreme is the Democrats' candidates, uh, especially if you look at, at, at far-left John Fetterman. I mean, here, here's a guy who really is to the left of Lenin, and I'm talking Vladimir, not John. <laughs> this guy thinks Bernie Sanders is too conservative. So if you're that far left that, that you think uh, the middle is extremist right, that's exactly what's happening here. And if you look at their TV advertising, and of course, unfortunately, uh, the, the legacy news media falls right in line, and you can't ever see the words Doug Mastriano without far-right Doug Mastriano preceding it when he's not far right. He's center right. But you don't see far left before John Fetterman every time they write about him. No, you're absolutely right. And, you know, uh, you commented you made here before. I think there are two things you can count on Democrats to do. Okay. And the one thing is to have a good marketing department 
that, that names bills, like you said, that actually do 180 degrees opposite of what they claim to do, then the second thing is to overreach. And I believe here with them attempting to tar our candidates here with the moniker of being extreme is going to backfire on them. For example, they want to talk about abortion, but women's access to abortion here in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania is no different today than it was the day before Dobbs was announced. You know, and really it's the extremist, if we're talking about extreme, it's the Democrats' position where they want to have abortion up until birth, you know, which is the actual extreme position. So if they want to have that debate, I don't know that that's one they can win, but I know that's where they want to go because they certainly don't want to talk about the things that you mentioned, the record high inflation, the record gas prices, you know, the record number of overdoses due to fentanyl and things like that, which are just flooding across our southern border. So, I mean, it's really going to be interesting, but it's going to depend on us to be able to cut through the media bubble, to be able to put these things on the air and talk about them, because the Democrats are not going to want to talk about them. Well, and and we should not, Sam, fall into the trap of talking about what the Democrats and the media want to talk about. (laughs) You, know, you look at you look at the abortion issue, and of course, you know they're out parading in streets, and you have to be sort of a special kind of sick person to parade in the street to demand the right to kill an unborn child. But you know, going beyond that, if you look at the issues that people are concerned about in poll after poll after poll, less than four percent list abortion as their biggest concern. And of that four percent, roughly half are radical pro-abortionists; the other half are pro-lifers. So it's really pretty much a wash. People are concerned about the fact that it costs them, you know, eighty, ninety, a hundred dollars to fill up their gas tank. They're concerned about nine point one percent inflation, and I can tell you, all the economists that I've interviewed on my radio program over the last month or two predict that before election day in November, we will top ten percent. We will have double-digit inflation, and the spending that they're doubling down on in Washington this very week uh, with this uh, so-called inflation. Uh, this Inflation Act that they're trying to pass, which, again, includes $739 billion in new taxes. When you keep doing things like that, you're feeding inflation. This is what people are concerned about, Sam. They can't afford to fill up the gas tank and buy groceries, and if, in, fi- if in fact, they can find the groceries they want to buy, which you know, we've seen a shortage of baby formula and other staples. Mm-hmm. So the Democrats really are talking about things that do not concern the American people. Well, people like you and I have been talking about this for years. I mean, we knew that we were going to hit this point at some point due to all the quantitative easing that the Fed was doing here, injecting, you know, uh, funny money into the uh, money supply, okay? And now we're here, and the Biden administration, which has proven itself to be one of the most incompetent, if not the most incompetent administrations in our history, has no idea what to do, and they're spending more time trying to change the definition of what a recession is than actually enacting some sort of policy to address it. And, and that, that's very concerning. You know, we're focused on an election here, you know, in basically 100 days. But really, even if we do take back the House, take back the Senate, you know, and elect Republicans here in Pennsylvania, we still will have two years left to go with a president and an administration that doesn't have a clue. I mean, we have some real problems out there And it's going to require the people to step up and to vote based upon the things that, as you said, that the polls are telling us they care about, which are the kitchen table issues, you know. 
and uh, here in Pennsylvania, it's not just about the inflation and the gas prices, but we start looking at the unconstitutional, the mandates that they had, you know, requiring masking, uh, closing the schools, which has set our kids back, you know, a couple of years. They demanding that you have to get a vaccine in order to keep your job. And now we just saw, you know, Joe Biden, who's had four shots, you know, the vaccine plus two boosters just came down with COVID. So we know that having the vaccine doesn't keep you from catching it. How do we make that up to all the people that have lost their jobs because they didn't get a vaccine? Well, it's going to be very difficult to turn all this around. And unfortunately, when it comes to the gubernatorial race and you talk about the Democrat candidate for for governor Josh Shapiro this guy's just like Joe this guy's just like Joe Biden he enabled all the draconian policies of the wolf administration that shut down our businesses kept our kids from going to school sent people into nursing homes and as much as the mainstream media tries to cover up that scandal and they're working overtime to do that it was the policies of the wolf administration that sent covid patients into nursing homes that in the first six months of the COVID pandemic killed literally tens of thousands of our grandmothers and grandfathers, and they haven't been held to account for this because Josh Shapiro would not hold him to account for this. And then you look at all of the economic issues. Uh, Just today, uh, Elizabeth Warren is out there. uh, She's angry at the Fed, of all things. She is blaming the Fed for causing the recession. Uh, They're going to do anything they possibly can to avoid admitting that you can't borrow and print seven or eight trillion dollars and continue to raise taxes and spend money profligately like they are without triggering inflation. Creating money was the reason why we have inflation, and it's all as a result of Biden administration policies and saying that the Fed's causing the recession. No, the Fed is finally starting to raise interest rates, and and yes, that's bad if you want to buy a home or buy a car or whatever, but it is going to take several Fed rate increases to get inflation under control. So the Fed isn't causing the recession. It's trying to prevent the recession from getting worse. The bad news, Sam, is it takes 12 to 18 months before all of these Fed policies can really kick in. So that, as you say, coupled with the fact that we're stuck with Joe Biden for two more years, unfortunately, we're not going to have a very quick economic turnaround here. Well, the, the thing that you know, we talk about, cons- the things that are concerning, right? So, you know, we, we talk about 10% inflation. It's not just a number. I mean, it's something that is hitting Americans' pocketbooks, you know, every single day and is, you know, hurting families. And then we start to look at what's happening with the Fed raising the interest rates. You know, anybody that has something out there that has a variable interest rate on that is going to pay. You know, we have record credit card debt in this country, okay? People's credit card payments are going to go up. So they're being squeezed at the pump with the high excessive gas prices. They're being squeezed at the grocery store with inflation and everything they're trying to buy. They're going to get squeezed here, you know, when they're making payments on their credit card debt. I mean, at the end of the day, something's got to give. And I'm concerned about how, you know, we as the public can continue to move forward here if we don't change the direction, you know, and do it as soon as possible. And that's why November is going to be so important. And unfortunately, trying to fight this fight, Sam, we're not only fighting Democrats and their disinformation campaigns that they put out there, and they're trying to redefine things. Uh, 
you know, last year, uh, just a year ago, we all sat in horror and watched people clinging to aircraft that were taking off, trying to, uh, uh, to escape Afghanistan from the Kabul airport. And the Biden administration claimed that that was a foreign policy victory, and he uh, extracted us from a decades-long war when, in fact, it was one of the most embarrassing uh, defeats in American history. They keep redefining these things. And, Sam, the problem is the legacy media, the lamestream news media, is following along using their language and using their talking points and labeling anybody who doesn't agree with that as an extremist or far-right. So we have to fight a two-front war here. We not only have to fight Democrats, we have to fight the media and that that's a pretty difficult task uh, fortunately i think the bulk of the american public the bulk of the voters in pennsylvania are on our side just look at what's happened in pennsylvania with voter registration numbers uh, what was it 49,000 democrats and independents have switched to the republican party in the last 6 or 7 months yeah it's unbelievable you know you had that that number of democrats and independents switch to republican but you don't have the media talking about that what you have the media talking about is the seven or nine republicans they were able to find out of the 13 million people in the commonwealth of pennsylvania to say that they supported josh shapiro you know i wish they looked as hard to find out where the people are moving and as you said they're moving to the republican party because they know that the policies that the Democrats espouse aren't working. And, you know, I just want to go back to something. When you were talking about how Josh Shapiro supported Governor Wolf in all of his policies, you know, sending COVID-positive patients back into nursing homes, they also, they forced our grandparents to die alone because we weren't able to see them. We weren't able to be with them. And to me, I mean, that's criminal. But Josh Shapiro is an attorney general wouldn't do anything to look into that. As a matter of fact, he defended the Wolf policies. And, you know, people say that Josh Shapiro would be, if he were to be elected governor, would be the third term of Tom Wolf. I think it's much worse than that because here's a guy that is vindictive. I mean, you know, who out there sues the little sisters of the poor? Really? And he went after them you know, repeatedly. So, you know, he's somebody that, we again, if we talk about extreme, that's somebody that I would call extreme. And let's look at the flip side of the equation here, Sam. Let's look at Doug Mastriano. If you go back to that period of time, 2020 in the spring, throughout 2020 and 2021, while we were fighting all these draconian shutdown policies that shuttered our businesses uh, without any sort of consistency or warning, threw people out of work, drove unemployment through the roof, killed our grandparents in nursing homes, all these things that happened, the one guy who was out there standing tall was Doug Mastriano. Doug Mastriano was railing on the steps of the Capitol. He was doing Facebook posts. He was in the legislature fighting these draconian policies of the Wolf Shapiro administration. So he has a long history of fighting for freedom and fighting to keep government out of our lives. And this, of course, draws the ire of Democrats and, and the legacy news media. So we do have a very stark choice here. We have the radical, extreme left policies of Shapiro and Fetterman versus the pro-liberty, pro-freedom policies of Doug Mastriano and Mehmet Oz. No, I, and I think that's an important point to make. <clears throat> I mean, uh, Senator Mastriano, he has a saying. He says, uh, you know, walk is free people. And some folks don't understand what he's trying to say there, but he's just trying to say he wants us to be able to live free without the yoke of government, you know, on our back you know, controlling our lives in every aspect. 
is they're trying to do here. And uh, I think that that's appealing. And I can tell you, you can't drive across this state without understanding how appealing it is to the people of Pennsylvania. And, I, you know, I'm being told by many, many people that they expect him to win in November. But it, it, it'll only happen if Republicans and independents go to the polls and vote for him. And, and voter turnout is very important. I know there's been a lot of discussion about how the, the left is going to be energized because of the Supreme Court and its rulings on things like, uh, like the Dobbs ruling. But there's a flip side to that also, Sam, which is that Dobbs ruling has also energized the pro-life movement. And there are far more individuals who are pro-life than who are radical pro-abortion. And, and they're so radical. You mentioned earlier that they believe in abortion right up until the time of birth. No, they believe in partial birth uh, abortion. Uh, you're, you're, you're partially born and you can still uh, kill the baby. This sort of radical extremism is turning off voters, and people want something that is more rational, uh, more fair, that protects the life of the unborn. And as a result of that, I think what you're going to see is the pro-life movement understanding that now is a unique opportunity to go out there and protect the unborn. So you're going to see activism on both sides here in November, which is as it should be. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You know, and I think the left is trying to paint this as an all or nothing proposition. And they talk about polls that show that, you know, the majority of people would still like to have access to abortion. But what they also don't show, they don't talk about, is how the overwhelming majority of people do not believe in late-term abortion. Okay? So I think the uh, Supreme Court's ruling was the right thing to do. It did away with something that was never in the Constitution in the first place and pushed this issue back to the states where our legislators who are closest to the people can make a decision that works for the people of Pennsylvania. And I look forward to seeing you know, what our folks do here this November. And I think on the abortion issue, Sam, we're likely at the end of the day to come up with, uh, with, a, with a law or a set of laws that is somewhere in the middle, and, and I know if you're pro-life, there is no middle. A, a life is a life. There probably are going to be some exceptions allowed, uh, for example, in, in case the, the life of the mother might be at jeopardy. But I also don't think we're going to allow late-term abortions or partial birth abortions. So all of this will be worked out legislatively in the years ahead. But in the meantime, for the election that is right ahead of us, let us not follow the you know squirrel over there and talk about January 6th or squirrel and talk about guns or squirrel and talk about abortion. Let's keep focused on what matters. And what matters is the economy. Jim Carville, I hate to quote him, but he said many years ago, it's the economy, stupid. That's what matters. And this is where the Biden and Wolf administrations have totally failed the American people. Joe Biden has destroyed our energy independence. He sent our economy into a recession. These are the issues that we need to keep focused on here, and I think it's going to resonate with voters in the fall. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. <clears throat> One of the things I do, what, you know, as I reach out as a county chair, I try to reach out to folks who aren't traditional Republican constituencies and try to bring them aboard. And I've talked to many labor leaders, and I've told them, you know, if a man or woman can feed their family and put a roof over their head, then many of the other problems that you have in life can seem insignificant or not as important, you know, in, in the in, in the uh, whole scheme of things. And what the Biden administration has done, you know, with all of this, with their energy policy, with their inflation, all these different things, is they're taking that opportunity away from people. I mean, you have John Fetterman, who's running for the United States Senate, has come out and said he wants to ban fracking 
right now now think about this i mean it was the marcellus shell in the gas industry that helped the pennsylvania survive or weather the great recession back in the 2008 2009 period okay and you have a guy that wants to ban something that not only has done more to provide cheap energy cheap and affordable energy for some of the folks on the lowest income scale here in pennsylvania but it's also provided hundreds of thousands of jobs when you factor in the oil and gas industry and all the ancillary supporting industries you know, that support their efforts. And they would wipe it away in a heartbeat you know, for some pie-in-the-sky Green New Deal, envi- excuse me, environmental boondoggle, you know, which would do nothing as long as India and China are still out there taking and polluting. Well, and worse, uh, Wolf and Fetterman have been trying to voice this regional greenhouse gas initiative, or REGGIE, upon us. And first of all, they've been trying to do it by regulation, uh, and it's essentially, at the end, a carbon tax. And you cannot constitutionally impose a tax by regulation. The legislature has been fighting it. The courts have finally put a halt to it while we sort everything out. But Sam, this regional greenhouse gas initiative would essentially result, or not essentially, it would definitely result in the closing of all coal-fired power plants in Pennsylvania. And if you look in in the suburbs of Allegheny County, you go out to Indiana County, Armstrong County, Cambria County, you have thousands and thousands of good-paying labor union jobs at these coal-fired power plants, and Tom Wolf and Josh Shapiro are trying to close those power plants throw them out of work, put them on the unemployment line, as you put it, for a pie-in-the-sky climate policy that simply doesn't work. So we have to continue fighting, and and we can reach out to organized labor and say, hey, wait a minute, we want policies that keep your jobs. We want you to have a high-paying labor union job working in a coal plant in Armstrong County. This is great. It's good for business. It's good for labor. So we can make common cause with these folks. You know, Allegheny County is home to Westinghouse as well. And Westinghouse was, a, you know, a leader in nuclear technology. And yet you have these green people, these supposed green environmentalists, right, who or believe in we need to be carbon neutral. But they're also against, you know, nuclear technology, which emits no greenhouse gas emissions. You know, and so it's, it's very frustrating to see every step of the way these folks fight as we attempt to introduce technology and things like that, that, which will clean the atmosphere. I know I had uh, read some information that I got from the Heritage Institute a number of years ago, and we were looking at it, and we were talking about economic freedom. And the countries across the, the globe, as well as the states here within the United States that had the highest degree of economic freedom, also had the cleanest environments. And that was because they had the resources to be able to take and help clean the environment, right? And so... You have the folks on the left that claim they're for the clean environments, but they're trying to shut down, you know, economic freedom, which is where we get the resources to be able to take and clean this. It's frustrating. And business has been moving in that direction. We have we have cleaner air in Pennsylvania, fewer emissions than the other states that are in this regional greenhouse gas initiative to begin with. Uh, all it is is a carbon tax scheme because the Democrats, first of all, they want more of your tax money. both here in the state and nationally. Uh, Right now in Washington, they're trying to pass a bill. Unfortunately, Joe Manchin has caved in to the big spenders, wants to pass a bill that's going to take $739 billion more uh, out of the economy. 
All of this, Sam, unfortunately only means that this inflationary cycle we're in, this situation we have with energy where we were energy independent, and now because of the Biden administration policies, we have the spectacle of our president begging the Saudis for oil, giving our oil away to China, which is even more ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And the situation can't get better because they're just so beholden to the radical environmental left that they can't see the damage that they're doing to not only our economy, but to American families. And unfortunately, it's the middle and lower income families that are hurting the worst and are going to be hurting even more as we go forward. Well, I, th- I think that's important for all of our listeners to realize. I mean, Josh Shapiro, the Democratic candidate for governor, you know, has not come out and said that he's against Reggie. You know, he's trying to do this little dance to, to, to maintain this middle ground as he tries to court union support but also keep the environmentalists in his party cobbled together and on board. And I just don't know that you could do it. I mean, when you're asked what your position is and you fail to come out and tell someone, it's an indication to me that you actually support, you know, the, the you're, you would go the other way. And it's clear that Josh Shapiro supports Reggie and the environmentalists by his failure to come out and say so. And so I think that that's going to be a detrimental. Thank goodness the court's have stepped in to stop that, and uh, you know we're going to have to see what happens. Now, hey, Loman, this has been great speaking to you. I want to keep you to after the break. So we're going to go on a break here. Folks, you're listening to The Elephant in the Room on WJAS 1320 AM. We'll be back in a minute. Republican committees, large and small, trust get elected to help them reach more voters, find more volunteers, and raise more money, all to get more conservative candidates elected to important down-ballot positions. And all for less than most of us pay for cable. Visit getelected.org to learn more. Folks, welcome back to The Elephant in the Room here on WJAS 1320 AM. Your host, Sam DeMarco. I'm still here with our guest, Loman Henry. And Loman, thanks again for joining us. And uh, hey, last segment, we talked about a lot of things. Before I let you go, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about the Republican Party mm-hmm. and where we're at right now. I mean, we, we see the challenges that the Democrats are facing. They're in a split. The socialists are tearing them apart. The you know the environmentalists are taking and attacking industries that once provided good paying jobs, you know, for what they called the working man. And this should be an opportunity for us to be able to come in and really complete the transition that President Trump started by bringing blue collar workers over to the Republican Party. And yet here we are, we're fighting amongst ourselves. I mean, are we ever going to learn? <laughs> well, uh, there, there's always tensions within a political party. If if you want to be big enough to be a majority, that means there are going to be some bones of contention. I'd rather be Republican than Democrat right now. Uh, as you pointed out, the, the Democrats, the Democratic Socialists have become ascendant. They're basically pushing the old-time, you know, your grandfather's Democrats, your John Kennedy Democrats, your old labor union Democrats. They're basically pushing them out of the party which, as you mentioned, is a big opportunity for us as the Republican Party really has emerged as the party of the working man. And we do have those in our party who are stuck on some some issues that, while important, we need to change our focus here. And I know there, there remains a lot of concern over election integrity. Uh, you referenced the Pennsylvania Leadership Conference uh, in your introduction. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in April, we did have an election integrity summit 
when we did our straw poll at the conference, election integrity came out as the number one issue of concern. And I think we all should be concerned about election integrity, because uh, we did see in 2020 the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania putting its thumb on the scales in a number of ways. We saw the Wolf administration changing regulations and rules and even laws uh, at their whim and not enforcing them uniformly between Republican and Democrat candidates. So, yes, we need to be concerned about election integrity because we know the Democrats did it to some degree, to a large degree of success in 2020, and they'll do it again in 2022. Uh, However, we need, I think, to move past uh, uh, the whole presidential election issue. We know there's been a lot of controversy about it, and there have been a lot of allegations. There's been some evidence. Uh, all sorts of issues have arisen, but the 2020 election is now over. We need to take steps necessary to ensure election integrity in the upcoming election in November of 2022. And again, we need to have focus and keep our eyes on the ball and say, look, this election is all about the economy. It's all about the fact that the Biden administration has destroyed the ability of American families to even enjoy life. You know, the president right now, Sam, is taking credit for the fact that gasoline has come down by, what, 40 or 45 cents a gallon, which, in view of the fact that it went up by $3 a gallon (laughs) since he was president, uh, for him to take credit for coming down 40 or 50 cents. But one of the reasons it's come down 40 or 50 cents is because demand is easing off, and demand is easing off because people can't afford to buy gasoline to go on a family vacation or do, or even in many occasions, even be able to get back and forth to work. So the, the easing of demand is because he inflicted pain on the average family. And, oh, by the way, the cost of oil per barrel has been going up, so that 40 or 50 cent reduction probably is going to be somewhat temporary. So we need to keep focused on these issues and the way the president has destroyed our way of life and take the steps and listen to our candidates, listen to Doug Mastriano, listen to Mamet Oz, what are their plans for restoring the American economy. And in order to do that, we're going to have to reverse virtually every policy of the Biden and Wolf administrations. And, you know, you you hit the nail on the head. I couldn't agree with you more. Look, we all recognize the problems that took place in 2020. And, and Loman, I don't know if you know, but I believe I was the only member of the Board of Elections in Pennsylvania. I voted against certifying the 2020 election because Allegheny County counted ballots that lacked a written date in the Nicole Ziccarelli and Jim Brewster race. You know, and this actually swung the election in favor of Jim Brewster when, when all legal ballots were counted, Nicole Ziccarelli was the winner in that 45th state senatorial district race. You know, but I tried to tell folks, I had a number of people in from like Audit the Vote and some other folks here earlier this year. And I told them, I said, guys, we're all on the same side here. And we want the same thing. I said, and you folks clearly have a passion you know, in this particular area, I said, God bless you. You know, go for that. I said, but my passion is in trying to elect a Republican governor. Because if I can't do that, we can't repeal Act 77. We can't take and pass and get any significant election reform legislation signed. So while people claim they want to take and make it harder to cheat, and we're all on board with that, that can't happen 
unless we have a Republican sitting in the governor's seat that will sign that bill. And somehow that message has not gotten through. And I think part of that is why we're still seeing this split or this fracture in the Republican Party. People who are out there claiming, even though we have an election in 100 days, they're claiming, well, we can't fix or move forward until we figure out or fix what happened in 2020. And you know what? I don't think we're ever going to be able to do that. And as you said earlier in the show, most folks, astute observers, they understand what happened. You know, the Supreme Court in broad daylight, in the middle of the game, changed the rules. So we are where we are. How do we move forward? And while folks are worried, to me, while folks are worried about cheating, you know, taking place in the election, I'm more concerned about our side not taking advantage of the rules that are in place today, you know, fully. And what I'm talking about here is mail-in absentee ballots. You know, right now, the law as it's written is allowing the Democrats 50 days to get out their vote and one day for us because we choose not to take advantage of the mail-in absentee ballot program. And I believe that's foolish for our side. It's like fighting a battle with one arm tied behind our back. If we were smart, we may not like them. If I were king for the day, I would take and have just election day being a day and not a month, okay? But this is where we are. We need to take advantage of the rules that are in place in order to win because if we don't win, we can't govern. What say you? I'd say that's absolutely correct. And and for all those people who are concerned, remain concerned about 2020, of course, you know, we're not going to change it. We're halfway through the presidential term already. We're about ready to launch the 2024 presidential cycle. We're not going to change that. We do, however, as you pointed out, need to clean up our election laws in Pennsylvania, you know, do away with things like these unsecured drop boxes, make sure that we follow the laws that are in place. We do need to do all these things. And for those folks who, for whom election integrity is their biggest concern, uh, Doug Mastriano has been with you every step of the way. There's no reason why we all cannot unite behind Doug Mastriano, who I would argue is going to do far more for election integrity in Pennsylvania in his first six months in office than what Josh Shapiro would ever do in four years or eight years, because Josh Shapiro is part of the group that has led us to the point that we have destroyed confidence in our state's electoral process. So we have every reason for everybody to say, okay, we know there were problems. That's that. That's over. We do have the opportunity before us in just 100 days, as you've pointed out, we have an opportunity to start changing this. So let's proactively get out there work for our candidates, make sure we elect Doug Mastriano governor, we elect Mehmet Oz as our United States senator. And when we do those things, we are going to put in place the people who can change our election process to bring about integrity so that at the end of the day, we all have confidence the election was conducted among live people who voted one time. Uh, Absolutely. And, you know, I think one of the things that people are missing, I mean, we're focused on getting Senator Mastriano elected governor. And that's important because he will do what you said for election integrity here in Pennsylvania. But some of these folks need to also make sure that they're on board with Mehmet Oz because we continue to see an attempt by the Democrats at the federal level to federalize these elections, okay, and to sort of take this over from the states. And we need somebody in place that will stop that. You know, Mehmet Oz will. John Fetterman won't. John Fetterman will do exactly the opposite. The worst thing we could possibly do, 
Sam, would be to take the election process out of the hands of state governments and put it into the hands of a federal bureaucracy. We all have seen how that's worked out with energy, with education, with every other aspect of American life. As messed up as Pennsylvania is, having the federal government come in would make it even worse. I couldn't agree more. Hey, Loman, listen, I know you have to go. Thank you so much for joining us this afternoon on The Elephant in the Room. I look forward to seeing you soon, my friend. Thank you. Thank, thank you, Sam. I appreciate the opportunity. Hey, John, it was great to hear from Loman today, don't you think? Yeah, I was really happy to book him for the show today. Yeah, it was great to have him. Hey, for folks, for our listeners who may want to learn more about Loman or listen to him on his radio show, you can go to www dot lincolninstitute.org that's www.lincolninstitute.org learn more about the lincoln institute of public opinion or be able to tune in to loman's radio show and hear more from loman who's one of the uh, foremost conservatives here in the commonwealth of pennsylvania so john he talked about a, we talked about a number of things primarily about this election that's coming up okay and really i mean i i, I couldn't stress more the importance for republicans hey you know i understand that many people are motivated or animated by a number of different issues and things like that. But what remains here is that we have an election in 100 days, which is going to chart the future and the future direction of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. It's important that people come out to vote. And again, that we use all methods available to us. And I don't know how many people, how many of our listeners know when the judicial candidates, that was uh, Kevin Brobson, Megan Selvin, uh, Stacey Wallace and Drew Crompton woke up on election day in November of 2021. They, when they, the day they woke up before the polls even opened, they were at least 350,000 votes down. And that's because of a disparity between the number of ballots, mail-in and absentee ballots that had been returned between Democrat and Republicans. Okay. It's estimated that this November, that number is going to increase to about 650,000 folks. We cannot afford to allow Democrats to roll into election day with that kind of a lead. Okay. You know, we need to be out there. We need to be using the mail-in ballots. I mean, if you're somebody, you're a Republican and you vote four out of four elections, you go to every single election. Fine. If you want to vote, you know, on election day, but we need to be talking about those low propensity Republicans. You know, if you're a parent and you have your kids and maybe they're not, you know, uh, you know, they're not all, uh, they don't vote in every single election. Ask them. You get them to use a mail or absentee ballot. If you have relatives that don't vote in every election, get them to use a mail or absentee ballot. Because every vote that we get in there is a vote in the bank, and that's one less vote we have to make up on election day. And that's what's going to help determine who wins in November and who gets to set the future direction of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania and as we've seen under Tom Wolf and Joe Biden, their path is a disastrous one, you know, not just for our country and for our state, but for us and our families, you know, and uh, with inflation, you know, it just almost hitting double digits, record high gas prices, an invasion at the southern border with fentanyl coming across, which is leading, you know, to record numbers of overdose deaths. And we just, you know, we have supply chain shortages. Who has any confidence in the Biden administration's ability to solve this baby formula shortage? I mean, it's, you know, they, they don't even, they don't talk to each other. Okay. I mean, it's just, it, folks, 
you can, if you were determined to wreck this country and you tried to set out a plan to do so, you couldn't have come up with a better plan than what they're doing today. We absolutely need to change course. We absolutely need to stop fighting with each other. We need to come together. We need to take advantage of the roles that are in place. And we need to win this November. John, you know, what suggestions do you have for folks that we can help get people involved? Well, I look, I want to kind of echo some of your sentiments here. I think this whole vote, voting early, 45 days early, has really kind of changed uh, a lot of the strategies of the game here. I, I mean, voting in September is is it's kind of, I don't want to say crazy to fathom here, but it, it really kind of changes our strategy a lot as far as targeting individuals here. We I know we are in the process of uh, putting together a very robust ballot chasing program that everybody that uh, requests an absentee ballot that will be tracking them down to make sure that that is uh, turned in here. But um, I, I just want to, yeah, I just I kind of agree with what you said, Sam. Well, no, no, John, that, that, that's great. You made a great point. You know, things have changed. In the past, in the old days, traditionally it had been that, hey, the fall campaign didn't really start until Labor Day. Correct. You know, because then you had those couple months. You had all of September in October, leading into the November election. But with the actual 50 days of early voting that's out there that's available, now people are going to be casting ballots in September. You know, and one, I, I don't, you know, I, I don't know that that's the wisest thing because by casting your vote early, you don't get to see what takes place and what happens up until the election. But at the same time, I think it's important that we get those votes in you know, and that does because I call them a vote in the bank. Okay. And the other thing we need to do is we need to take and get more people involved. Folks, if you would like to volunteer and help in any way, shape, or form, please sign up on our website at www.allegheny.gop. That's www.allegheny.gop. I mean, hey, and whatever it is you'd like to do, we'll find a place to allow you to take and realize your passions. And do the things that you interest you, whether it's door knock, whether it's drop off literature, whether it's take and deliver yard signs, whether it's make phone calls, or whether it's just to put together signs and do general office work. And whatever it is, if you want to contribute to the cause, please go to www.allegheny.gop and sign up because, you know, hey, uh, you know, I try to tell these folks, there's a lot of folks out there called the keyboard warriors, you know, and they're out there on social media and they're typing in and fighting and all that kind of stuff. But none of that stuff, you know, counts as a single vote. None of that stuff changes, you know, who's going to win or decides who's going to win an election. If you're going to spend the time and you're going to get involved, then please let's look at doing something that can be productive and that you can actually see tangible results from instead of just getting in a, you know, a little, uh, you know, tit for tat with somebody. Yeah. On social media. I yeah. see you smiling. Yeah, no, time. I mean, yeah, I mean, I see that all the time, too. And I've made a conscious effort never to engage in, in social media debates on social media. Um, yeah, but like to echo some of what you said, Sam, there's tons of opportunities for people to volunteer. I mean, just the other day, we had 5,000 Master Iron Lawn Signs uh, delivered to our office that we had volunteers assemble here. Um, we just got tons of Mike Doyle signs come in the office, too. I think Mehmet Oz just delivered another few thousand signs to our office, too. So there's tons of opportunities to get to, uh, to volunteer. I know we're going to be doing phone banking soon, uh, and uh, there'll be a lot more opportunities 
in the coming weeks. Now, are you sure we got those Mastriano yard signs in? Because there are people out there saying that we haven't done anything. I don't know. I guess, Sam, apparently you haven't been to the office recently because you can't really walk in the office at the moment now because there's uh, cover from wall to wall. With no, I have. But I think some of these people that are making these false claims out there, yeah. they certainly haven't, right? They have. You know, and I think, look, uh, you know, again, hey, I think debate is healthy with any type of organization. You heard Loman talk earlier in the previous segment. He talked about how there's always tension. You know, inside yeah. a political party organization, and that could be good, but it's good if it's steered yeah. in a productive fashion and civil. Right? And civil. Yeah, we we can have debate over direction. We can have debate over strategy. We can have debate over ideas, over the candidates we choose to support, over the issues we feel they're most important. <clears throat> but our, our debate, you know, should be grounded in truth. Mm-hmm. Okay, and uh, that that's one of the things I think that some of our folks. You know, you're not far from the majority, but some of the folks out there are having an issue with, and they know, you know, Ronald Reagan had said something in his 1964 speech, uh, you know, at the Goldwater Convention, his rendezvous with destiny. I mean, he talked about, it's not that my liberal friends are ignorant. It's just that they know so much that isn't so. And I think, unfortunately, we have a small subset, you know, of folks that are new to our party or new to our movement, you know, that are facing the same challenges. And I would urge, you know, let's try to keep the debate civil. And if you're going to get engaged in the debate, let's please try to do your research to make sure that you're actually, it's based upon the facts and truth and not just go out and just, you know, shoot off uh, at the hip and cast aspersions in people that aren't true. You know, and that, that's my word of advice to these folks that are out there today. So <clears throat> what else do we have coming up, John? Well, we do have our picnic coming up at the North Park Lodge on or, uh, August 14th from, uh, I think, noon to 4. Um, I think noon to – or is it 1 to 5? 1 to 5. I apologize. Yeah, it is uh, 1 to 5 here. Uh, we, I, we're still getting confirmation from some of our statewide candidates, but we expect at least Carrie Del Rosa to be there. Uh, we have not heard back from uh, Mastriano or uh, Mehmet Oz, but we have reached out to them. But all of our local candidates, well, we expect all of our local candidates to be in attendance as well. Look, I think our our, our picnic has always been a great event. All of our events are great. <clears throat> I mean, you know, and uh, you know, we ha- we have it catered. Yep. You know, folks are able to come. You know, twenty dollars per person. If uh, you purchased a ticket to the Lincoln Day dinner, then you you have free admission to this. You know, because we're trying to take and reward the people that supported the party that helped give us the resources that allow us to support so many of our candidates out there as they run for office here. You know, and I'm excited to see many of them. I mean, we have a full slate, not just the incumbents, you know, but we have so many first-time candidates. We have Andrew Kuzma. We have Matt Kruth. We have Frank Perman. We have Mike Pendell. We have Pat Tilka. We have Ted Thompson. You know, I mean, these are folks that, you know, were never previously on the ballot. Yeah. But that are out here, that are stepped up, that are running for office, and they're running and forcing the Democrats to play defense. Folks, this is what I told people I was going to do when I was first elected chair, and that was to take and field candidates to get Republicans out to vote. You know, people were always complaining and crying about the number of Republicans that actually show up at the polls. Well, I think that our job as a party is to give them someone to vote for 
and to go at the polls, and that's a big step forward in trying to get them out. And and so many people don't understand how that plays in both national, federal races as well as statewide races. Mm-hmm. You know, John, somebody the other day I saw they were trying to look at the voter registration figures from 2019 and compare them to something that was recent and say, oh, my gosh, the party's not growing. Again, this is what I talk about being disingenuous. Mm-hmm. You know, in 2019, the vote, the Federal Voting Rights Act, okay, requires, it says you're not allowed to remove anybody from the voter rolls within 90 days of a special election. We had a number of special elections that year, and so the voter rolls had gotten bloated, and going into 2020, you know, we purged almost 67,000 people from the voter rolls here in Allegheny County. So the actual number of registered Republican voters in June of 2020 in Allegheny County was 251,000 registered Republicans and change. And now, two years later, we have 262,000 registered Republicans. So we've grown, you know, by over 10,300 registered voters in Allegheny County over that period of time. By the same token, the Democrats, the Democrats have only taken and increased their registration by 3,312. So we've actually tripled the number of people that have registered with Republicans as opposed to the Democrats. I mean, we are making progress. Folks, you know, it's slow, but it's steady progress in two years. You know, over 10,000 you know, new Republican voters. I mean, and we need to keep this up, folks. But again, I think, you know, when you hear different things, you need to look and consider the source and do your research to learn the facts. Because, you know, it's not always what somebody out there claims it to be. Now, John, what, what, what things do we have planned for voter registration efforts? here in the next 100 days. Do you know? So we're making a lot of efforts to participate in a lot of the community day events. There's uh, down on Brookfield Boulevard uh, coming up here. It's the Brookline Breeze Festival. I know we're going to be participating at, and we're going to have a tent there. Uh, We're looking to participate in Finley Community Days later in the month. And uh, we did submit an application to uh, participate in your backyard and the North Fayette Community Days on, I know that's August 6th. So we are making, you know, we are trying to do a lot of, uh, re- you know, voter registration drives at some of the different community day events. I believe the Penn Hills Republican Committee is also doing something uh, August 6th as well. Well, that's great. I mean, they, these are just the things in the next few weeks. Yeah. You know, folks, if you get your events to us and let us know, we'll take and make sure that we take and put them in the weekly trunk. Yes. And get them out there for folks to see and uh, spread this word. But we're going to be continuing to do more of these as we move forward. But again, hey, hey folks. Look, it is tough. American families are struggling out there. They need help, and we need a change in direction. And only you, our listeners, can deliver that. But it's only by going to the polls and voting for our candidates this year. Mehmet Oz for U.S. Senate, Doug Mastriano for governor, and Kerry Del Rosa for lieutenant governor, as well as all of our candidates up and down the ballot, can we make that happen. So I look forward to you working with us to make that change and to start setting this state in this country back on the right direction. Again, folks, this is Sam DeMarco with John Schneider and the elephant in the room. If you would like to help again, one more time, please go to www.allegheny.gop, sign up there, and we'll put you to work. And hey, together, let's go win. Have a great Saturday, and we'll talk to you next week. Signing out. Have a great day. Bye.